again, and welcome to another episode of The Sound of the Kootenays. I'm your host, Al Woodman. It's a pleasure to be with you again. I've got a great show lined up for you this time around. Lots of original music, some new releases. I've got a really great interview coming up later with Justin Hines, the singer-songwriter from Grand Forks. I introduced his music in the last episode of the podcast, and we did get a chance to catch up and sit down and share some microphone time. I think you'll enjoy his stories of what his life has been like in the music industry. We're also going to have a little chat with Holly Hyatt, who's released a new song just this past week, and the video just came out for it as I'm recording this. So we'll hear all about the making of that new recording, and we'll talk about some upcoming shows. And play some music! And play some music. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. We're going to kick this episode off with a song by a Nelson-based singer and songwriter. Her name is Sarah Orton. Sarah has returned home to the Kootenays after being away and working in the major music centers of Toronto and Vancouver and Los Angeles. And I know for a fact that she's writing and making some uh, pretty interesting music that hopefully will meet your ears very soon. This is a song that was released right around the beginning of this year. And this is called Drifted. Drifting, drifting on an ocean, ocean of emotion, too sick to see. My baby's got me cooped up. Suffering here all day I dream of the oasis in the clear window Way I get when you steal all swift I'm taking me in Cooped up, thirsty for you So sweet, but taste all the things I would do in the Way I'm just a speck in the blue All the swift I'm taking me in
My baby's got me drifting, drifting on a no Sarah Orton can be found on SoundCloud under the name Sarah O. You can hear that song and some of her other material there. And you can look forward to hearing Sarah's beautiful voice on November the 14th at Backroads Brewery on Baker Street in Nelson. And she'll be performing with an as yet unnamed group uh, playing almost all original brand new music. So look forward to that. Next up, I want to play a song by another Nelson-based band. This is a song from The Hilties, from a recording they put out in 2015. I understand there's some new music coming out just around the corner, and they also have a show coming up towards the end of October. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that after we hear this song. This is 17th Ave. Around a quarter to three Ain't no fighting beaters Just standing be free Seventeenth out Is opposed to battle When you're knocking back The drinks And the shots you have Is it a ukulele Or a banjo Whoa Is it a ukulele Or a banjo Whoa Two girls walking by They're looking kind of tired Spark up the rhythm Jump start you wide The three of us Singing out just for you So flip a couple coins We've got some things to do is it the six-string, twelve-string bass? I'll race a temp up in this place. Is it the six-string, twelve-string bass? I'll race a temp up in this place. Standing on the street and you're staring at me. Just fuck the rhythm, honey, move your feet. Stop doing your tracks. Make you relax Check your pocket Put your thumb in my back Stop you in your tracks Make you relax Check your pocket Put your coming right back Stop you in your tracks Make you relax Check your pocket Put your coming right back Two hours past Since the last call We're on the corner Now I'm having the ball Dallas in my case that ran my waist Don't you know it's a free for all Two hours passing Start last call We're on the corner now I'm having the ball The Dallas in my case that ran my waist Don't you know it's a free for all Stop you when your tracks Make you relax Jake your pocket book you coming right back Stop you when your tracks Make you relax 
Jake, your pocket book, you're coming right back. Stop you in your tracks, make you relax, Jake, your pocket book, you're coming right back. Stop you in your tracks, make you relax, Jake, your pocket book, you're coming right back. The Hilties. They'll be performing on October the 26th at Bloom Nightclub in Nelson with the Funk Hunters and DJ Dub Conscious. According to the poster, it's a bone-chilling, full-hotel spooktacular Halloween extravaganza. And I'll say it sounds like a really good time. That's going to be a lot of fun that night. So for everybody else out there enjoying their Halloween festivities on that Friday night, uh, say hi to those guys for me. Next up, we've got some brand new music from Slocan Valley-based musician Holly Hyatt. This is her brand new single called River Flows. But I do it to be fair. 
to welcome my guest Holly Hyatt to the show. Hello. Hi. So you've uh, you've been kind enough to drop by uh, and you brought some company with you. We're going to have did. some uh, some live music on the podcast for the first time ever. Yay. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, let's jump right into it. The new single. Yeah, well my new single um, I just released it a few weeks ago and it's called River Flows and it's I like to say it's like an earthy soul vibe and um, it is something that I wrote when I was touring one of my previous albums called Shuffling the Blues and I was uh, way on the road and I would get up in the morning and go for these walks and um, you know my walks just kept lent- bringing me back to the river. So it was just really amazing that I was, you know, feeling homesick and my home is on the river and then I would go for walks and find the river and it just reconnected me to my home and just made me feel that, you know, everything was going to be okay when I was away and, you know, missing my family, that type of thing. So I went for a walk one day and came back and had the melody to the chorus. Mm. So that was how that song started. Right. And then I recorded that and, you know, worked on it over many months. And <laughs> it wasn't one of those that all came at once. Kind it of didn't songs. all come at once. No, the chorus was pretty strong, but um, I ended up writing all the verses probably a few, few months later and then revising a couple of them after mm. that. Yeah, the editing process can be grueling. Yeah, it, yeah, it can be. It's nice when they all come at once, but um, it doesn't always happen. And I wrote the chords on piano, and I don't always do that, so that was really fun. I'm a bass player, mm-hmm. so usually I write um, on bass or mm-hmm. I you know, collaborate, but um, it was neat right. writing on the piano. Tell me about uh, a little bit about collaborating. Who do you collaborate with? Yeah, well, on this album, I collaborated a lot with another local musician, Clinton Swanson. Mm -hmm. So he actually co-produced the album with me and this song, River Flows. And um, River Flows, I wrote 100% by myself, but I have other songs on the album that were co-writes with him. And I have um, another song on the album that was a co-write with my dad, John Burden. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he did all the arranging for the songs. 
so you know his influence is pretty huge on there mm-hmm. and it uh, kind of brought it to a whole new level so it was a really amazing experience yeah this um the the single it's it sounds great the oh, production quality you. sounds really really great and uh you know a lot of those motown influences and, and all the horns and stuff like that sound sound really pro and really good mm. uh, where did you record it so i recorded it um a lot of the bed tracks were recorded at his studio in Nelson, mm-hmm. the horn tracks. And then I had the drum tracks and then my final vocal tracks I recorded at um, Al Black's studio right. in Nelson as well. Right. And the keyboard tracks, they were actually recorded in Calgary um, okay. by my keyboard player at his studio. So it's, it was kind of a little bit of everywhere, but um, yeah, it all, all came together. That old Motown sound with that brand new technology. That's right. (laughs) Which I'm so happy the technology was there because, you know, I don't think I would have been able to get all those people in a room, you know, at the same time to make that happen where Mm -hmm. we live. So, yeah, yeah, it was a blessing. (laughs) Great. The new single, you said it's also attached to a new album that you've got earmarked for the near future. Yeah, I've got an album. Um, It's going to have 12 songs on it. River Flows will be one of them. It's going to be called Wild Heart, and I'm releasing it in the spring. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited about it. I keep saying these are the songs I was born to sing because I just feel like every song is really, you know, just really me. When I was writing it, I had, I had just had kids and, you know, I was kind of coming out of the mummy vortex, we'll say. (laughs) And, um, you know, I got back into songwriting and it, it just, you know, uplifted me completely to find that again. So that's really what this album's about. There's a lot of themes of positivity in a lot of the songs. I tried to incorporate themes in love in almost all of the songs. It's like an album that's going to just hopefully make people feel really good when they hear it. Mm. I can't wait to hear the rest yeah. of it. <laughs> if the first track's any indication. Yeah. <laughs> So you said you have other albums that you brought out in the past as well. I do. Yeah, for the past 15 years, my dad, John Burden, and I have um, had a blues and roots duo. We also perform as a trio and a band, and we've released four albums Mm -hmm. um, under the name Holly Hyatt and John Burden. Yeah. And I'm sure we will release more albums in the future as well. Uh, we do lots of you know acoustic blues, electric blues, and um, yeah, it's just really fun. Right. I heard you, uh, not this past year, but the year before at the Caslow Jazz Etc. Festival. And uh, from where I was standing, it sounded great. You guys oh. filled up the, the space so nicely. Thank you. Yeah, they gave us such a great time slot, and we both just had so much fun. It was, um, it was really super great experience great yeah um now you were the reference to the river in the single with river flows um you want to tell us a little bit about which particular river that may have been that inspired that (laughs) well my property is on the slocan river so um it's definitely the slocan river that inspired the song but um when i was on my walk it was the columbia river that i came to so you know, it's just how they're all connected. I was actually on a tour of the Columbia Basin, so I would keep seeing the Columbia River, which, you know, interconnects with Sokan River, and it just, yeah, whenever I see the water, I feel grounded. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, you know, back home, so it's 
Yeah. It's a powerful thing for me. I'm sure you know that living on the river too. Living on that you know, same Slocan River. So nice. Yeah. We're yeah. we're the richest people in the world when it comes to the quality of the water that we are surrounded by. Yes, it's yeah. so true. Yeah. So glad to be raising our kids with that water. Yes. <laughs> Such a blessing. Yeah. Now, um, you and uh, John have brought your instruments, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing that means you're game to play us some music. Yes. All yeah, right. I would love to play um, another track off of the album I have coming out called With You Now. It's actually kind of an R&B lullaby song that I wrote for my kids. Mm. And then I have an acoustic um, blues number that I will be playing at um, my up-and-coming show at Finley's opening for J.W. Jones. Mm-hmm. It's on October 26th, starts at 7.30, and it's going to be amazing show. It's put on by the Kootenai Blues Society, and I'm just so honored to be opening for him. He is a Canadian blues legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been reading up a little bit of, uh, of of his story as well, and it sounds like it's going to be a fantastic show that it's night. It's going to be a great show. So, yeah. And that song's called Back to the River as well, so it ties into my, <laughs> the theme. my theme of writing songs about the river. I have a few. <laughs> right. Okay, well, we'll do some reconfiguration here, and we'll get you set up, and uh, we'll hear some live music here on Sound of the Kootenays. Awesome. Sounds great. Great.
find my way back home and I know in this moment you What a beautiful song. Now, you said you have another one that you'd like to play for us. Back to the River? Yeah. All right. Take it away. Okay. One, two, three, four.
The new single, River Flows, is out now and available at major online music retailers. And there's a brand new video for that song out now as well. We heard With You Now and Back to the River live on the show today. And you'll hear those songs on her upcoming new solo album, scheduled for release in the spring of 2019. That album is called Wild Heart. You can catch Holly, as she said, on October 26th at Finley's Bar and Grail in Nelson as part of the Kootenai Blues Society's final show of the season, where they're presenting Ottawa Blues guitarist J.W. Jones. Best of luck for that show, Holly. Yeah, it's going to be fun. excited to share this next conversation with you. Earlier this month, I was able to sit down with a singer and songwriter, originally from the Toronto area, who now makes his home in Grand Forks. His name is Justin Hines. He got his start in the music business at the young age of 13, and spent the next 20 years writing, recording, performing, and touring the world. We set up our interview in the back of the Boardroom Cafe. This is a cafe that he and his wife have opened a little over a year ago, filled with hundreds of board games for the patrons to come in and enjoy. In the background, you'll notice all the trademark sounds of a cafe, the coffee grinder, the espresso machine, the clanking of dishes, and the shuffling of staff and customers. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. I'd like to welcome my guest, uh, Justin Hines, to the Sound of the Kootenays podcast. Justin is a fellow that I've met just recently here in the Kootenays in Grand Forks and discovered a plethora of music that he's put out going back over the past decade or so. And uh, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, So you're not originally from the Kootenays. I'm not. Seems to be where a I'm lot an immigrant. of you're yes, an immigrant. I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you from originally? Um, I was born and raised uh, just north of Toronto, and don't hold that against me. I'm just no, kidding. no. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, uh, spent most of my my time in, in the city, even though I lived but an hour and a half outside of it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So traveling back and forth for activities, or what, yeah, what what brought you to the city more often than not? Well, I was involved in the music business. Um, I guess since I was about thirteen. So mm. over 20 years, it's a long time. And yeah, uh, yeah so uh, in Ontario, anyway, most of the action yeah. you know, happens in uh, Toronto within a you know, small radius of the city anyhow. Right. So, yeah. Right. Um, so music from an early age, um, yeah. did you grow up in a musical household? Yeah, very much so. Uh, my grandmother and grandfather lived with us, and my grandmother was a consummate entertainer. She was, in my opinion, such a star <laughs> in many ways, her personality and her singing, and she was originally from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Mm. And, uh, of course, she instilled quite a bit of music in my mom. And my mom was a great, uh, still is a great singer and lover of music. And my dad passed away last year. He was an incredible folk guitarist, actually. Mm. So he got me hooked on the music that I would end up, uh, I guess, trying to emulate as I got older. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear you lost your dad. Oh, it's okay. He was a really interesting guy. He was um, 
such a massive supporter of my journey, which I was really grateful to have that kind of parental support. I never really had to fight the resistance of getting, you know, a regular job. I could just do music. My parents were totally great with it. Right. So I was very lucky. Yeah, that's, uh, it's not always the case. No, it's not. And I, I find those that, you know, um, have that resistance tend to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. But for me, I was, again, very fortunate to have that sort of love and support very early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so um, growing up with music in the household, mm-hmm. um, what, uh, what, were your, what were your earliest musical memories? Mm. Um, I listened to pretty much everything, but uh, I was always drawn to the sort of more storytelling type music. So like the folk singers of 60s and 70s, so people like James Taylor and Cat Stevens and Carole King, those kind of, yeah, just storytellers, the ones that were, you know, really focusing in on lyrics and um, weaving a, you know, an emotional journey through their music. And it's funny because I realized very early on I was not going to be able to be a, a pop star because, <laughs> uh, you know, my dance moves were not really on point. So, um, but I always thought I could be that guy sitting in a chair telling a story to people and, you know, hopefully hooking them with, with words rather than, you know, glitz and flash and stuff. So that was always my, my MO, I guess, going forward. Right. <laughs> right. So you were, you were singing along to those kind of recordings and stuff. I was, yeah. House? I was a bit of, uh, I guess a bit of a, a ham. I always took the opportunity to sing in front of people if they wanted to listen. And, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, we had a lot of like family gatherings and I would always perform there and form in our churches and stuff. And, um, yeah, eventually it became a career, which is cool. Right. Uh, what would you say was, uh, or, or where did where did things shift from it being something that you really enjoyed to something that you were going to actively pursue? Um, when I was thirteen, um, I got the opportunity to sing the, uh, the national anthems for the Toronto Raptors basketball team. And at the time, the Toronto Raptors were a very young team. I think it was the first season actually when I had the opportunity to do that. And um, it seemed like from then on that was going to be kind of my path like opportunities started to kind of present themselves after that and it was great because uh when you sing in front of that many people for your like one of your first you know quote-unquote real gigs that's a pretty good way to get rid of any you know sort of future butterflies that might occur because it's you know that doesn't really get much larger than that so i was really grateful for that experience looking back just because i felt like it gave me a shot of confidence that i might not have had otherwise and yeah from that experience ended up getting a lot of really cool opportunities mm-hmm. shot a terror too i'm sure oh yeah well it's funny actually because on the first time i did it they uh they wanted to uh do a like a pre-recorded track that i'd lip sync to and which you know i didn't quite understand as a kid and in hindsight i could see why they did it however um during the show like the performance itself the tape cut out so essentially i was lip syncing to nothing but thankfully when the tape came back on my lips were still moving at the same pace as the tape so it looked like nothing it really happened except for the mic had cut out, but it could have been a lot worse. And that could have been sort of like the beginning of the end <laughs> before it even really got going. So wow, it's kind of so, funny. So you throw the professional move to just the show Keep must going. go on. Yeah, it was weird. Well, I guess from my perspective, I didn't really know what was going on. So my, my natural instinct was just kind of to keep going. It wasn't like I was persevering or toughing it out. I just really didn't kind of know what to do. So right. my reaction was just to keep going. And you were probably singing actually. Yeah. The- yeah. Well, they say uh, the best lip syncing is, you know, when you're actually singing. Yeah. Which is kind of funny to me. Yeah. I hate lip syncing, but I, bet. You know, I can see why they uh, encourage that. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did that come about? What, what, what went from singing at your parents' place to uh, singing at Toronto Raptors games? Um, my mom and I were uh, 
well, my mom was driving me to school basically, and we heard about this contest on the uh, one of the Toronto radio stations, and basically you would go down and audition. It was like a giant audition, and they were going to pick um, somebody to to, to represent uh, for this game. And uh, I was the first person to audition, and um, I was told early on that they had kind of made up their minds, and I was the guy that was going to do it. So I was very fortunate to to have that chance. It was. It's amazing. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And then so to prepare the national anthem for that, you said mm. it was pre-recorded. It was, yeah. Um, so they gave you a studio gig to go in and yeah. record the national anthem? Yeah, it was really weird. It was my first like real you know, professional studio experience as well, mm. not just uh, performing. But yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I, again, I, I found it very odd that I was going to be singing on top of singing. It just didn't quite compute. But, right. Um, but uh, hey, man, I was really grateful for the the chance it's show business right show business yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so the first recording goes well and you're singing at the raptors games mm-hmm. um when did you start writing your mm. own music you're you're a songwriter mm. first and foremost am i correct mm-hmm. singer and songwriter mm. when did when did the original music start to happen um well as a kid it, I, you know because of my physical situation my disability it was kind of a an obvious path that i would do more sort of inspirational type shows. So people from the Anthem experience saw me as kind of like, oh, this cool young kid in a chair that can, you know, go out and inspire people. So I was getting a lot of things like telethon gigs and whatnot. But on the side, I was, you know, still kind of working on my own stuff and writing a, you know, a ton of sort of more uh, like really simple pop courses, I guess. But I um, ended up meeting a producer who um, wanted to make it like a full full on album. So I ended up doing, you know, a lot of the writing, and he produced it, and it wasn't maybe the greatest uh, recording in the history of mankind. It was a little, uh, it was a little, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but a little, little bubble gummy, right. maybe for, for my uh, for my taste. But it, it, you know, it went, uh, it went well. The experience was great, and I was excited to have, you know, my own tunes on uh, on a recording, and you know, I was really glad that I was encouraged to write because it was like a kind of an extension of of singing, which I'd love so much, but I guess people saw that it's possible that there was a guy that could write underneath this package of, you know, ins- quote unquote, inspirational, you know, stuff. So I was fortunate to have that kind of constant encouragement to, you know, keep pushing and keep developing what you're doing and, mm-hmm. you know, take, take always, you know, not be afraid to take the next step. Mm-hmm. And you were how old then? Uh, I guess about maybe 15 when we recorded that, 15 or 16 when we recorded that particular project. Right. Are there any yeah. copies around? Yeah, you know it's funny. I saw one on eBay last month. Somebody was selling on eBay, which that was pretty hilarious. Uh, I'm thinking, who would buy that? But anyway, yeah. So I, I, it wasn't really a. I don't think it had much distribution. I don't think it got picked up by a lot of uh, record stores. But right. yeah, apparently there's a couple of copies out there. I'm sure my mom has a bunch too. Right. Even the photos hilarious. Like a super smiley with like spiked frosted tip hair. You know, you remember that oh, time yeah. it was like late '90s and yeah, early, yeah. Oh, those are the days. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure there's still more out there somewhere. Right. <laughs> uh, so from there, um, yeah. was there touring and performing to support that? Or uh, a little bit. Next? Not so much. I got this uh, gig with the government to write, um, sorry, the local government at the time, to write a Millennium song for mm-hmm. them um, to, uh, to perform at sort of a lot of functions around there. And the actual, the, the federal government got a hold of it and decided to... Um, basically sponsor a sort of a mini tour of me performing the song across uh, the country. So I think there was about 13 or 14 different shows, just the one song. 
it was at various events and concerts and um and again the great thing about that just continually to meet people and you know connect to network but again there was kind of this you know slightly inspirational elements that wasn't really true to necessarily the music i wanted to create going forward but it was still an amazing no pun intended kind of foot in the door right. to uh to the business so right yeah that was kind of the next the next step was the millennium stuff mm-hmm. yeah. so the millennium stuff you you felt was still sort of in that inspirational vein mm-hmm. and then yeah and, and you were feeling like you were ready to shift from that yeah um i think so i think it, well in the moment i think i was just really caught up in the experience because it was a lot and it was you know really cool and it was an honor and it was a a job like I, I was able to do it full time and you know I, I finished high school and then went straight into you know full time music land which again I'm a really amazing thing mm-hmm. but yeah I think at the end of the day my my actual taste and where I wanted to be going forward was more you know a little more in that singer songwriter zone that I'd grow growing right. up being so obsessed with right through my dad so yeah so yeah. then your first album that you recorded or mm-hmm. that, that I'm aware of yeah uh, sides Yes, correct. Okay. Um, when uh, what what? How did that one come mm-hmm. around? Do, do you consider that sort of? Your, I mean, I know you talked about. I your do consider first album, yeah. but now you've yeah. sort of rebranded, maybe yeah. to create yeah. this one. Two point Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I took a lot of time to, um, I guess, develop my my craft. I guess is the word. Um, I learned how to play piano. I've I've got sort of limited use of my hands, but I learned to play piano with four fingers, just enough to you know, actually write on a, you know, more, with more depth. Like it gave me the, you know, I wasn't as dependent on other people to help, you know, get songs done. So that was really great. And I just spent a lot of years uh, uh, just really working on what it meant to me to be a musician and whatever that was for me. So um, I ended up meeting this amazing gentleman um, named Justin Abaddon, who's a very talented guitarist. He was the guitarist for a band called Jack Soul, which some people might be familiar with an amazing R and B band. Um, so I met him uh, through my journeys, and he ended up becoming um, such a guiding force in my journey. He was is a great guitarist. He became sort of my hands in many ways for writing different parts, and um, ended up producing this album here. Which, to be honest, I didn't really ex- expect anything from it. It was more just a sort of a. Uh, it was my declaration of music I guess that this is where I wanted to be musically and so we made this album again me thinking nothing was going to happen with it and then he managed to get into a hands get it into the hands of um, a gentleman named Aubrey Winfield who owned a label called Orange and that ended up being my my musical home for about a decade mm-hmm. so uh, he was uh, I guess into it and very supportive and you know made the rest of my dreams come true with this little album that I never thought you know I'd get a chance to do anything with so, uh, yeah, just, I guess, meeting the right people at the right time and uh, putting yourself out there was the story of my journey. Yeah, and you do <laughs> have to put yourself out there. You have to, you know, um, confidence is a fickle thing, I think, mm. for, for artists and yeah. uh, and especially for singers. Um, mm. In my own perspective as a, as a singer-songwriter, um, the days that I'm not feeling confident in my singing, mm. my singing's awful. Interesting. Um, but days yeah. that I just, you know, dive into it and say i'm doing this and i'm yeah. uh, then I, I feel like those are my best mm. my best opportunities Interesting. or my best performances yeah mm. i think the argument could be too just vulnerability too, like just sort of releasing yourself from the potential results and just getting sort of lost in the 
in the the moment, I guess they say, mm-hmm. or the arts or whatever. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, giving yourself up to it and whatever happens, happens. And I guess that was my attitude. It was just, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but I'm going to enjoy doing it and put everything into it and see what happens. And Well, you know. and it's it's your art. You know, like you're, you're following, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're you're following your muse. Mm, yes. And, uh, and, and just, you know, answering the call, I yeah. guess, as it as yeah. it's also said. Yeah, I think when you sort of add a layer of expectation for what it should be or what you know, it's going to happen with it. I think kind of changes your perspective and sort of takes away a little bit of the potential specialness of it. I don't know. Mm. That's just my opinion, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so in your, in your writing process, mm-hmm. now you've, uh, you've just described your, you know, choosing to, to work on playing piano. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, what, um, what was your way of accompanying the lyrics and melodies mm-hmm. to your songs? Basically, it all lived in my head, and I would try my best to communicate it to other people. Um, I I never learned theory, and I still don't know mm-hmm. any theory at all. And a little bit by choice, um, I always found that um, some people that were so locked into theory almost made music mathematical, mm-hmm. and it was hard for them to um, develop a really creative um, aspect to their to themselves. So uh, for me, it was partly a conscious choice to be okay with being kind of abstract in my approach to music and mm-hmm. um yeah so writing for me is very random like i don't really have a, a set process still got a million songs living in my head that i've never actually put down on any kind of recording or paper uh, i'm okay with that like i somebody gave me really good advice when i was a teenager they told me you know when it comes to songwriting and you have a million ideas um it's good to sleep on them actually for a night or two and if you still remember them in the next day or two then they're probably worth remembering. Mm-hmm. And if not, then maybe it was okay to let them go. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's something to, you know, something to that. So I always took that advice pretty pretty seriously, and I kind of agree with it in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the, the opposite of that is having notebooks um, stacked mm-hmm. up in your room with yeah. one or two lines on each page that, yeah. you know, I, I was just going through some of mine last mm-hmm. night as I was tidying some things up, and I was like, oh, there's an old songbook, and I'm mm-hmm. scooting through, and I was like, these are the worst things that anybody <laughs> could ever write down. Yeah. I was embarrassed by them. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe I should, uh, if, if I didn't feel like I had such a sieve for a memory, yeah. uh, then I, I would. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. I just, well, I feel like potentially looking at like a, a stack of anything would be overwhelming. I know I get that way. If, I, if something piles up for a certain amount of time, I, I don't look at it as progress. I just get sort of, you know, nervous mm. <laughs> that I've got too much on my plate. So, yeah. like, you know, in some ways I'm kind of glad that I never stacked up music too high yeah <laughs> how would you communicate the music ideas in your head to mm-hmm. accompany your lyrics uh as because music is such an abstract language people talk is. about well it's sort of sort of an orange sound in this part of yeah, the, yeah. you know these weird yeah. you know uh, descriptives for what music is well a lot of the times it would literally just be using language like higher or lower so i'd sing a melody and i'd hear the chords in my head and they would just play the chords that they thought, and I would just say higher or lower. So they just keep playing until we got it. I was able to identify what a minor chord was versus a major chord and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just using very basic logical language and you know plunking it out until until it was happening. Right. Uh, bringing inspiration, like, uh, bringing music that inspired the writing, that kind of thing to you know give a better perspective. Just using any tool I had to communicate. And at times it's difficult, which is why. I, there was a bit of a necessity for me to learn to play the piano. Mm. That way I could, you know, get it down to at least a place where 
I was happy with. And I ended up writing um, other parts on the piano. So for instance, I wrote a lot of the guitar parts on piano and oh yeah, yeah, like string sections and stuff. So yeah. So uh, working with your producer guitarist Justin, mm-hmm. um, and and you said he's been with you the whole time, the whole journey. Yep, even is, on live shows as well. Is that true of the of the the whole band? Uh, Justin, I believe, is the, the only one that was around the entire duration, both behind the scenes and on stage. Uh, there are a lot of band members that have been around a long time, mm-hmm. but I, I do believe he's the only one that's you know from day one that I've been working with consistently. Right. Yeah. I know my first listen through, I guess it would have been your most recent album, mm. um, the guitar playing stood out. Mm. As a guitar player, of course, my ears mm, are drawn to that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it really stood out, and I thought, mm. holy moly, who is this guitar player that's yeah. playing on here? Yeah. Um, man, you landed a great guitar player. Oh, yeah. He was an amazing chameleon. Like He was able to adapt to so many great styles. and um, Yeah. And he introduced me to some songs that kind of changed my perspective on music too so i'm really mm. grateful that you know he came along and was able to be like a massive stepping stone and amazing uh contributor to my journey mm-hmm. so i'm very fortunate about him what kind of songs did he bring to you uh, i heard the song called uh, from him called my mom by a guy named chocolate genius who's sort of a um i guess a bit of a niche artist from new york but uh the song my mom uh, i guess sort of outlines the journey of his mom's battle with alzheimer's mm. um super heavy but man the the raw emotion of the playing and the singing and the lyrics just caught me just completely off guard and i just i kind of just sat just an on super emotional and mm. yeah it was a really cool experience to know that music has the potential to be that poignant and that powerful and all the instruments were just a little bit out of tune kind of on purpose and it gave it this really eerie just real uh, vibe that, yeah, I don't think I've heard since, or, mm. or definitely not before. Is there an example of a song off of your first album that uh, that you would like to sort of highlight or talk about specifically? Uh, there's a song called Wish You Well, uh, which I didn't even really want to put on the album. I was just working on it kind of by myself and when Justin walked in, and um, he thought it should make the cut, and I'm really glad he made that call because it ended up being a song that would, um, I guess, sort of publicly would introduce my journey to people. No, darling, I can't take your thirst away, but I can show you to the sea. And while you're walking on your path unknown, say, so will you think of me? times I've seen those ghosts before I've watched them dance around your bed I would give you all of my sleep-filled nights just to see you get some rest it's not my Ride and fill that space where I can wish you well. Oh, I wish you well. 
times like this I tend to ponder all the things we'll miss But we can always reminisce When you come back from the great beyond With moonlight in your hair I will meet you where that dark road ends And it won't be long until we're there And once, once again Talk about way back when Oh, but until then Well, I wish you well Oh, I wish you well Yeah, that's an interesting one because I was really kind of against having it on there but um yeah i'm glad other other opinions prevailed for what reasons did you feel like it what you didn't want to use that one um i just think it was very good if i'm being honest i didn't feel like it was um it felt very uh sort of generic folky to me mm-hmm. even though i spent a lot of time crafting the lyrics i really didn't feel it had much of a, an impact but i didn't but i was looking at it through my own lenses and i couldn't really see it through somebody else's so right something to keep in mind when you're creating is you know you'll never perceive things how others do so yeah yeah I, I i'm glad to have had another sort of perspective actually walmart funny enough ended up using it in one of their things which kind of gave it a bit of a launching pattern again i would never predicted in a million years that would have happened so right yeah um, again glad glad i was wrong some very <laughs> fortunate turns for you yes yeah. agreed yeah <laughs> um so then you're moving on uh your guitar player goes um as it was put to me behind your back and uh, (laughs) delivers your album to somebody uh at orange was it yes correct yes and uh and things start to start to happen from there um what uh so is there touring following that uh are you working with the same band that you were in the studio with to Mm -hmm. go out on the road Mm -hmm. yeah uh at the time yeah it was all the original band members from the from the album lots of touring uh fortunate enough to get a lot of radio play with that and um it was a bit of a bit of a whirlwind like for eight years it was you know kind of this uh pumping up music and playing it and playing all different kinds of uh it's such a i feel like one my journey's been really unique in the sense that I played such a wide spectrum of shows like in terms of you know audiences and and you know the actual events themselves and I always feel like I had a really kind of neat journey. I didn't have quite the schedule that a lot of, you know, uh, signed artists have just because it wasn't physically possible for me to maintain two months of, two, you know, nuts of a schedule. I had to sort of rein in a little bit. So we had to be creative in how, you know, we got our stuff out there. So luckily, you know, there was some cool television opportunities and radio and, you know, just had to be creative and figuring it out rather than just, you know, pounding the, the pavement all the time i, I de- definitely did some touring but just not as extensively as some artists so right yeah right um so then it comes time for a second album i'm mm-hmm. guessing you've been working closely with justin all this time mm-hmm. and uh, there's new material being developed yeah and uh and the same band goes into the studio uh primarily uh we did a couple couple shifts based on scheduling i mean certain songs 
I'd met enough musicians at that point that I, we kind of felt that certain musicians would lend themselves to certain songs and others for others. So mm. um, we realized that everybody's kind of kind of got their own vibe and style. So for um, more sort of older sounding tracks, we went with guys that were, you know, accustomed to playing sort of more classic sounding type type albums. And mm. if we wanted sort of a youthful energy, then we'd go that route. Um, but yeah, primarily, you know, a lot of the same musicians, and we developed you know, develops quite a kinship. I, I think um, I think for a lot of artists, the second album is way more important than the first one. It's like, okay, so you've done this, and now it's time to follow it up. And I think that's where you're really sort of tested as as, as an artist sometimes because right. you get a lot of your growing out of the way for right. the first one and learn from, you know, what did work and what didn't. And mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, it was. I would say the second was definitely the most important right. one that we certainly had to tackle. I think um, it was different in the sense that uh, we wanted to put out albums quickly. Like there was, I wouldn't say pressure, but uh, it made a lot of sense to keep sort of a prolific uh, chain of music happening. So um, the second one was written much quicker and ended up taking songs that did make the first one and putting them on the second one. So there was definitely a, a more rapid pace to it, whereas the first one we definitely took way more time and right. in crafting. But thankfully... Um, there's enough great contributors to the second one that um, it ended up being, I think, the one that actually probably made my career last longer than you know, maybe it should have. Yeah. Uh, it did really well. And, um, yeah, uh, my manager actually uh, contributed um, his songwriting to one of the songs that ended up being, you know, the song that probably carried us for eight, ten years. So right. I was really grateful that he had this tune, you know, sitting in his his wing and then I was able to contribute to it myself and we put it out there and it worked out really well. And that song was called Say What You Will. Say What You Will. I know 
studio i love being in the studio yeah i think it's my favorite part if i'm being honest it's yeah. uh it feels more s- somehow connected to certain areas of your of your being i guess you know you're you create these songs and um hopefully they're an extension of who you are or what you're trying to say or you're telling the story of somebody else but they're these you know things that become really emotionally attached to you and then you're you know crafting them for the world you know right and then you leave the studio and you go out and you you play for people and it's sort of more of a one-on-one connection with people or, or one-on however many you're playing for yeah. at the time. So it's a very different experience, but I do I do love the intimacy of being in the studio and just sort of uh, being in that emotional space. Mm. <laughs> it, it does does improvisation play much of a role in your in your creative process? Like maybe. It, it could be in the studio, but it could be in rehearsals or, mm-hmm. you know, does does your music lend itself to having space for the band to do other things within mm. it? Yeah, um, certainly in the early days, there was a lot more of that. Um, as things evolved, I would say um, things became a little more structured, like our show became a little more um, planned out, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and within solos and things like that, there was a lot of leeway and Sometimes, like, um, we had this long intro to our shows where the band would play for a while before I even drove on stage. So there'd be moments. But certainly, like I said, as things evolved, it became more of a, a timed thing. I guess just because we were doing so much, so many shows, and that, um, yeah, there were just other things to consider, responsibilities, and, mm. you know, yeah, depending on what it was. So, right. But, yeah, but certainly early days, there was a lot of that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. What were your live shows like? You've talked about, you know, mm-hmm. being on the road. How many yeah. how many shows are we talking about over, you know, over a year, do you think? Um, the very last tour that I ever did in 2013, um, as an example, there were 70 shows in three months, which is a lot. Um, but that was definitely the biggest uh, stretch of shows 
we did you know I probably maybe did 100 100 and something shows a year so not like not like 300 like some artists do but certainly enough to um, be tired yeah, <laughs> at yeah. the end of the year and, and the last year was definitely the most most intense but right um, pretty much been over the world at this point we played shows in South Africa and China and across Europe and um, North America uh, yeah uh, I'm, I'm blanking here Middle East Dubai which mm. is an interesting place to play music um, yeah so yeah we covered a lot of ground I guess in, in a decade yeah yeah and uh, now <laughs> it's been a while it has since, been a while since you've toured yeah um, it was five years that now. was five years ago you yeah said? just about yeah. yeah yeah and so um, you've talked about um, your situation mm-hmm. and uh and I'm curious to get your perspective on how has that influenced your music mm-hmm. and um, where does where are you at now musically? Uh, well, my physical situation to me was never anything. I never thought anything of it. It's mm. been my reality since I was born, and I don't have any other thing to compare it to. So for me, it's nothing. But to the rest of the world, it's a thing, you know, especially in music where there's not a lot of examples of folks in wheelchairs making music especially at a public level and when we got to the states we realized that the um the uh, the perspective around it is definitely not what we expected um it, there was a lot of resistance and discomfort and because it hadn't been done before there was a lot of um you know just i don't know people didn't really want to deal with it on some levels i mean um, I got a lot of support in the States from the industry, but when it came to putting it out there for the public, it didn't really connect how we kind of hoped or thought, even though I had all these opportunities. It just it seemed like there was some discomfort with, again, my situation being so um, visually put out there. So mm. there's definitely some interesting, um, I guess, shifts that maybe will hopefully happen in time for people where folks in my situation won't have the same kind of barriers to, to deal with, but you know, I guess again being one of the first, there was kind of starting to slowly pave that road for hopefully people that will come down the line later. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of music, it really didn't influence it directly at all. Like I never thought about my situation when writing a song. I, I you know, I'm just Justin. I don't, I don't like to identify identify myself with the mode of transportation I use. It seems right. You know, on paper, kind of, I don't know, just kind of nothing. So yeah, I, I, I get I get why people you know have feelings around it but for me it doesn't really resonate and it's my job I guess you know being my situation to make people feel comfortable you know what I mean like kind of earn that Mm. comfort and I think it's a cool journey watching people shift from being kind of nervous about it to being completely okay with it within a few minutes like it's it's my job as a human being to you know provide that comfort for people right so I'm good with that role I was really happy with that role and sometimes you know it was easy for me to get placed in a like I said earlier an inspirational kind of box and mm-hmm. sort of put in this zone and I, you know I was okay with that but I realized that you know I'd like to think that there was way more to my journey and my personality than just being a guy that is inspirational for getting out of bed in the morning right you know because it's I'm really not that inspirational I've done a lot of stupid things in my lifetime and I've you know I've said stupid things and I've you know I'm a human being and mm. you know I'm, I really don't consider myself to be all that special at all mm-hmm. um, I appreciate people thinking that but I I don't feel that way. So it was, I always made a conscious effort to try to project the humanity mm-hmm. rather than the, this angelic image that maybe people wanted to 
bestow right. upon me. Right. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think that um, I would I would almost beg to differ um, that the, that there's not something special about you um, mm-hmm. because as I've taken your music and played it for other people who are um, who are audiophiles and you know <laughs> have have very acute taste in music, mm-hmm. um, the reaction to the music and to your songwriting has been uh, overwhelmingly. Uh, one of wow. Oh wow. Um, appreciate that. And so and that and and I didn't I never prefaced it. I never mm. talked about anything. I said, Hey, I met this mm. guy, his name's Justin, he's got all this music out. Mm. I really think you should hear this song. And oh, uh, cool, man. the I song that. the song that I played for, for him was How We Fly. Mm. And we sat back and we listened to it um, in uh, in actually Sincerity Studio, Sincerity Sound. Cool. And uh, you know, with great great speakers, and we just sat back and had to listen to it. And there's so many influences, so many different, you know, fantastic production techniques that that have gone into that album and that song and all of your music, really. Oh, thank you. Um, but it all comes down to the song. Mm. And f- for me, the songs have spoken loudly, um, Thanks, lyrically. Man. I appreciate and, that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, and I think that a lot of people will resonate with that. And, you know, y- you mentioned also that um, you, you sort of take it on as your job mm-hmm. to make people feel comfortable. Um, and um, I, I, I would agree that you definitely have the ability <laughs> to do that. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and take away any of those filters that yeah. you might meet somebody through mm-hmm. um, and just start getting to know people. Right. Um, yeah, we're... We're all kind of in the same boat, whether we like to admit it or exactly. not. Exactly. We, we think we're all different and divided and unique, but nah, we're kind of just all doing this crazy life thing together, and we just have different circumstances to work with. We've already played how we fly on the podcast cool um is there anything else off the newest album that um really speaks to you that, uh, that you would like to hear well that's interesting uh you know that whole album my voice was dramatically changing um the whole texture and the quality and there's a lot of more i don't say angstier but just a little ang- little edgier uh songs i think on that one than any other one so mm. you know don't really reflect very much on that time it was a really challenging period and it was you know i think that that album sort of encompasses that time hmm. so yeah i mean the the first song i think is is the biggest i think stretch i've ever taken as a musician maybe when the morning comes yeah the, yeah that would be the one i would maybe to, to contrast other things would play yeah <laughs> i guess this storm but it's not in sight 
So I waited out and pray that it don't tear down my home But maybe when the morning comes I'll find that all the hurt is done You will know by the smile that I wear All the fortunes of love that I shed I will thank all the pain that I've been For all that it's done But maybe when the morning comes There's a bit of a story behind some of the artwork mm. on your album. There's stories with each of them, but I think, think you're probably talking about the newest one. Okay. So this, he's actually a children's uh, book uh, artist. He does like the surrealism type of art who uh, we partnered up with to uh, do the artwork for this last album. And um, we basically gave him carte blanche to kind of come up with his interpretation of not just the music, but my journey in, in, in general. And he came up with a sort of like, um, I remember those old Cat Steven albums where they're sort of more, um, they look sort of more children's book style. And, mm. and, uh, so he, he kind of took that approach visually and created this, um, kind of settled, uh, in some ways cover where I'm actually walking and my legs are kind of blurred out and mm-hmm. my chair is kind of somewhere down the, the path behind me. And there's all these little influences on the cover that, you know, in my life, 
my wife loves rainbows, so there's rainbows on there and mm-hmm. birds. Like just a lot of random sort of things. But I guess we kind of tried to tell the story of it not uh, my situation not defining what's on the inside, which is in this case the music, but mm-hmm. it's a metaphor for being a human being. And then from there, he ended up doing um, interpretations of all the songs individually. And we put together this um, this book essentially, this sort of a coffee table style book where it's the lyrics with with these pieces of art. Mm-hmm. Each song and he didn't I, I I was so blown away with what he came up with it just blew my mind I loved his style and I loved his emotional sort of thought provoking approach that he took mm-hmm. to doing these uh, doing these creations so it was a really cool really cool journey his name is Gary Wine by the way uh, just an amazing amazing artist I'm really interested in yeah. the artwork that you've got on your second album Chasing Silver yeah um, and I think that was the story that oh, is that Savannah story? Oh, I see. That's another great story. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I guess all of them have some sort of story attached to it. But sure. the, the woman that uh, painted that, um, she, her story alone is mind-bogglingly amazing. She uh, suffers from uh, schizophrenia. And she spent a lot of years in a, uh, I guess, an institution, basically. And it, uh, they were trying to figure out how to communicate with her. And uh, one doctor suggested that she try drawing her her uh, her issues and her feelings and whatever was going on in her head to, to get it down on on paper. So she came up with the most incredible artwork, and through that, and uh, she became super articulate in words. They were able to teach her how to communicate through words uh, via uh, learning how to communicate through art. And so ended up meeting this woman, and again, it's such an honor to have somebody those capabilities and that that ability to connect emotionally in their art with people to for whatever reason decide to to do something for us so right uh the story of that is not the piece of art itself or um necessarily that it has anything to do with me it's more this woman and her journey and and the, the art she creates and now she's incredibly uh renowned in the art world she's done portraits for the clintons and mm. all these all, her art lives in some of the most amazing areas and houses and you know, galleries on the planet. So she's become this amazing uh, entity in, in the art world. So mm-hmm. I'm super, super stoked to have her in a small way be a part of my journey. Yeah. So yeah. And, and her name was Susan Weinreich is her name. Right. Yeah. Incredible yeah. woman. Yeah. And that that painting actually lives. Um, uh, it's huge and it lives in the the offices of uh, the record label that I've been with. So right. Yeah. It's re- it's a little weird going in there because it's kind of one of the first things you. You see, but right, a little, little weird, <laughs> but beautiful nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have also had a chance to do some some really interesting uh, collaborations and live performances um, mm-hmm. with some some pretty cool people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I I avoided trying to dig into getting to know you online because I really just wanted to get to know you. That's cool. Um, I really appreciate that. Actually. I like that approach. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and the, the purpose of the, the, the show that I'm doing is so that other people can get to know the artists mm-hmm. that are living in our communities. Absolutely. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And, and I thought, you know, what better way to do that than by meeting and, and just sort of getting to know you. Love that um, approach. That's amazing. I did happen to check out a couple of videos, though. Okay. And there was a video <laughs> with the Canadian tenors. Yeah, is that tenors, right? Yeah. 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 Tell me a little bit about that experience yeah. in that event. Was that a one-time thing? Uh, no, uh, no, they were actually kind enough to bring me on one of their tours. I was, um, I did a guest spot on their one of their North American tours, hmm. I think in 2000, 
10 or 11, somewhere in there. Um, and then uh, my next opportunity to perform with them was actually at a, uh, a PBS TV special that uh, we filmed for me to air across in the state. So they were one of the guests on my TV special. So that was really cool. Mm. And I think the performance you might have seen was probably from that TV special. Right. So they're now just the tenors and there's now just three of them. So right. their landscape has changed a little bit. But yeah, they are um, those guys are the consummate professionals. I don't think I've seen more uh, together, hardworking, uh, just just dedicated to what they do. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. They are, I learned so much from them and how their shows are crafted and put together. Just quite an experience to learn from those guys and again to you know have the experience of being behind the scenes with that. Really, really cool experience. Nice. Really cool dudes, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess since this is a show all about the sound of the Kootenays, uh-huh. um, how did you get from Toronto and touring and doing all the things that you were doing to Grand Forks, BC? Well, that's a very good question. Very logical question. Uh, my wife is actually from Grand Forks originally, and she moved away for 20 years. So this is her first time back in that span of time. Uh, we lived in uh, Ontario for most of our marriage. Uh, married almost 10 years now. No, nope, more than 10 years. <laughs> I, should, I should probably know that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, my voice was not really cooperating for me anymore. Just right at the end of that uh, long tour we did in 2013, it, it, my voice was just changing and my stamina was kind of lowering and it looked like that, you know, the heavy days of performing and touring were kind of sort of winding down for me. And um, it, the timing was interesting because I was too having some, um, I guess I was craving a little bit of time off, I guess. Like I've been doing it for so long mm-hmm. in my mind, like 20 years at the time. And I guess uh, the business had, uh, I don't want to say taken its toll, but I was tired. Uh, you know, I, I love music and I've always loved performing and, you know, being involved in music. But I think I was tired. So I think my body was kind of telling me that it was time to take a break. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we made the bold decision to, um, I guess, you know, put it put on hold indefinitely and move out to here and you know um, I love it here it, it's, it was just kind of a random decision we decided to embark on and uh, you know it's a much different atmosphere out here a little more laid back and maybe a little less career focused which you know is not a bad thing at all and we opened up this cafe and uh, it wasn't random that it was a board game cafe my wife and I are obsessed with board games we were playing board games on the road all the time and you know would rope other people in as much as we could and thought you know what let's just do this so we partnered up with my father-in-law and Samantha's dad and just decided to do this thing mm-hmm. building came available and yeah just did it and it's been how long now uh well the cafe has been open just over a year and we've uh, been in Grand Forks about two okay so yeah right yeah loving it and so um I'm glad it's I'm glad the cafe is doing well oh thanks um, yeah we're surprised yeah <laughs> yeah well very different kind of concept for sort of a more rural area i think board game cafes are more of a tend to be more of an urban kind yeah. of thing so we took a chance on doing it here but yeah it's worked it all right yeah <laughs> well and um it, it should be noted that uh it's not just about board games there's mm. a you've got a great menu oh thanks um, yeah. and, and the, the food and the uh, you know the drinks and stuff um <laughs> from our experience bosh i think we came here we arrived here at noon mm-hmm. on a Friday, mm-hmm. uh, thinking we would play a few games on our way back yeah. to to uh, the Slocan Valley. 
Uh, we left at 10.30 after you were closed. That's awesome. <laughs> That's and, a big compliment uh, to us. That's really cool. Board games in hand and uh, yeah. full bellies and, uh, and great memories from being here. Awesome. Well, we appreciate that. It's, it's been an amazing experience for us. A very different lifestyle for me, but mm. loving it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you hooked in with the music community in Grand Forks? And is there, or tell me a little bit about the music community here A little bit. Well, we actually did a bunch of shows here in Grand Forks, which was awesome. It was an amazing experience. And uh, people seem to really love you know, music here. We've met some of the musicians, and it's a very vibrant art town in Dreadwell, not even just music. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on here. I, I would like to get more connected at some point. Right now, I'm, you know, still doing the, you know, cafe thing and kind of lying low, but it's, uh, it's a great town, man. Like, there's a lot going on here, a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. I think over the next few years, you're going to see Grand Forks kind of really, you know, become a really even more interesting place than it already is. So Great. Yeah. Great. So... What does the future look like? Mm. I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. We're mm. all just guessing. Um, what would you like the future to look like? I don't really have any expectations of the future. I feel like I've lived a million lifetimes in my short you know, span here on Earth. And I don't know. I don't really think about uh, the future too, too much. I'm you know, really concentrating on enjoying whatever it is I'm currently doing. And if, it, if it's music again down the road, great. And if not, I think I'm okay to you know, close the crazy chapter that that, mu- that music was. And mm-hmm. it's really, in some ways, you know, really defined my life, but doesn't necessarily have to define the rest of it. So I don't know. Sure. I'm really open to anything. I, I, I just love being here with friends and family and doing this crazy, you know, bizarre cafe venture that we decided to get into and, and taking it day by day. You know, I think one thing life has uh, made very clear is that your best laid plans can change in an instant. So yeah. I'm just learning to not rely so heavily on them and you know take it day by day i don't look at my story as kind of ending uh sort of negatively like i feel like it kind of played out the way it was supposed to and Mm. i got to experience things that you know i realize that most musicians don't get to experience and you know i I feel grateful to have had those chances and i i don't sort of belittle that but i also know that you know it's okay to do other things as well so i I'm, i'm good with whatever you know the rest of the road puts forth i'm good cool <laughs> yeah um still writing yeah i yeah. don't think i'll ever stop writing i think at some point it becomes almost an obsession yeah um and i've done writing for other people as well a little bit and this uh, somebody just uh, th- these girls called abby and sarah they were actually on the ellen show uh, uh these young girls they're a great folk duo and they ended up recording one of my tunes so i guess you know there'll always be uh opportunities in that regard for in terms of writing but you know, creative is one of those things I don't think it needs to get bottled into one avenue. I think if you feel like being creative, you can find ways to, you know, make it happen. So it's kind of a beautiful thing that way, you know. Very. We're, we're interesting as humans, how we adapt and mold and figure stuff out. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. For I sure. I digress. No, no, for sure. That's that's definitely on point. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to thank you again for uh, taking the time and inviting me into the cafe here. Oh, and, an uh, honor to have you, man. And keep doing what you're doing. You're... This, what you're doing is is awesome, meaningful, and you know you're putting together some great, great shows here for people. So, and this this whole area, the Kootenays and Boundary, there's, there's so much to discover and so much to to un, unearth, and a lot of great people. So it's great that you're you're making this happen. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll be in touch. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much, my friend. All right. Thanks, thanks. Justin.
Send a message to the raging winds When the world has left you cold again Cause for every battle not yet won There is virtue to be found in the sun You'll come around And you'll come around, baby And you can almost hear in those voices now And that we're ready to be free somehow For the trouble reasons they come on strong But fear not, my brothers Well, it won't last long Now come around This is music by music producer Jason Job. It's a brand new release called Some Love.
The landscape of electronic music is vast, and it's as individual as our voices or our dance moves. I'm really looking forward to hearing and learning more about all of the different kinds of electronic dance music and electronic music in general. There's a lot to listen to, and uh, there's a lot to appreciate. Just as there is a lot of all kinds of music to appreciate here in the Kootenays, and that's why we're doing this podcast, Sound of the Kootenays. Again, I'd like to say a thank you to Barry Jones and all the folks at Sincerity Sound for their support of the podcast, uh, both technological and emotional. Barry was able to perform a small surgical miracle for me uh, in terms of my recording with Justin Hines. Uh, after the recording, I came home and uh, left it for a few days. And when I finally came to sit down with it, with a, with a feeling of anticipation, because I remembered it being a rich and interesting and easy conversation, and I went to look for the file, and I couldn't find it. I tried to open it, and a strange warning popped up, warning me that audio files had been changed, and my only option was to say, OK. And so when I clicked OK, I found seven seconds of audio. I was so embarrassed. I was so afraid, and I didn't know who to turn to. And wouldn't you know it, as I professed my, my guilt for making some grave error along the way to Barry one night, he said, Bring it over. I think I can find them. And he sure did. And I'm so grateful he did. I did a little dance right there in the studio when he started playing it for me. And, uh, and, and so I want to say thank you again, Barry, for your help with that. Your advice and technical assistance and knowledge in the field is so greatly appreciated. And we'll be checking in again next month with Sincerity Sound. Uh, this month, things were just a little bit busy, and uh, there's lots happening over there. But we've got some really neat ideas coming up that uh, we're going to talk about putting into the podcast, uh, give people a bit of a sneak peek maybe into the creative process and the technical process and the start to finish of uh, what it's like to make a record. That's about it for our time this month. I'll be bringing you another episode next month. I've got some really great interviews booked already, and uh, at least one or two of those will end up in the next episode. Please go and subscribe. It's one click, and I'm only releasing one episode a month, so it can be easy to forget when the next episode might come out, and wouldn't it be nice to just have it show up there for you, delivered, no problem, and then you can listen in whenever you want. Like it, share it, check us out on Facebook. I'm not asking for your money. I'm just asking for your love. I hope you have a great month. And as always, stay tuned. <laughs>